visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Listening to Radio Taiwan International, and I am Natalie So. Up this hour, we have some music for you on just the classics. But first, join us for a live recorded version of Here in Taiwan. Let's do it. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It is Tuesday, September 21st. It is the Moon Festival or the Mid-Autumn Festival. And uh, we are coming to you from the studios of Radio Taiwan International in Taipei. In the studio today, we have Emma Banak. Hello, hello. And Leslie Niao. Hey, everybody. And I'm Natalie So. And we'll be talking about two big news stories about foreigners swimming um, that made the news this weekend. Also, Taiwan has some new rules to help prevent pet smuggling. We'll be talking about that. And a Taiwanese photographer wins a top European photography award for a series of models dancing underwater. It's really beautiful. We'll show you those pictures, those stories, and more coming right up. Okay, so it is a four-day holiday, and people are out and about. People are all over Taiwan enjoying the sun and all that. And uh, But some people made the news, um, some foreigners actually, for swimming and what happened with well, these What we got swimmers. going on. <laughs> well, there was one case in the north and one case all the way in the south in Kanding. And like you said, both of them were foreigners. I just want to preface this by saying that both of them ended up being safe. Every Everybody's fine, but definitely gave the Coast Guard a bit of a scare. So the first case was in Kanding, and it basically a foreigner was with his friends at a bar and then he said he was going for a swim around 5 a.m. in the morning. Oh, just, no. Just like most people. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and for some reason he left like most of his belongings there, like his clothes and his identification, all his belongings, which just That's looks weird. very strange. Very yeah, impulsive. I don't, I don't know how he left the bar like this and how is he expecting to find his stuff later. But basically when the bar was closing up, they found the man's things and they notified the police. And even though you would think that this would be the first, maybe one of the first places they would check is the inn where the man was staying. Uh. Uh, that actually wasn't because... Uh, first, they had already deployed six jet skis, two boats, and they had got <laughs> oh, ready no. drones and divers oh, for the mission. Wow. Oh, no. And guess where he was? And <laughs> where he was staying? Yep, he was asleep. He was sleeping soundly. At he didn't go swimming after all? I don't, I didn't <laughs> say if he actually went swimming or if he just, like, uh, I don't know, decided to go straight back to his room. Either way, he clearly was not anywhere in the water, anywhere near where they were looking for him, and he's perfectly safe. Oh, no. I don't think... why he's safe, but a lot of people went out to look for him. Yeah, it sounds like a, a waste of national resources. I think it, it was. But I don't think <laughs> but... that he can be punished in any way. It's not like he like said, come help me, or... It wasn't... I don't know. Like I guess in that case, they would have to have some sort of 
action like if you find a man's clothes and the last thing he said was he was going swimming and hasn't been seen since then but again like i said i'm just a little why didn't confused they call his room right? why they didn't call his room right away exactly That's funny yeah i mean luckily it turned out well um as did the another case which was a ukrainian man who was rescued on monday afternoon mm. and this was near new taipei's jinshan district and this guy was swimming with some of his friends and his friends decided to swim back to shore and it was only after they came ashore that they saw that their friend had taken off in the other direction and then disappeared and so then they called the fire department and then the fire station and the coast guard immediately sent off boats and personnel to the scene they even sent out a helicopter wow and that's how they found the missing man oh was he in the middle of the ocean it says he was half a nautical mile south of the twin candlestick. Uh, so was he? Was he struggling? Area? I um, wonder. It says like when they found him and they they took him back to the fishing port. It says his vital signs were determined to be stable, and it doesn't. S- and he refused. He like politely refused to be sent to a hospital. So it sounds like he was doing okay. I'm not entirely sure if he intended to challenge himself and swim that far out. Or if he had bitten off a little more than he could chew. I mean, half a nautical mile, that sounds like a long way out. That sounds pretty, especially if you're swimming, that's pretty impressive, I think, as far as distance goes for swimming. But wow. How did they say how they found him? Like a helicopter? Yeah. So this guy didn't merit in jet skis. They were found by, he was found by a helicopter um, and they had to set off smoke bombs to indicate the position of the man, which oh. I guess if I were him, um, and I, I don't know if you understood what was happening, but if all of a sudden smoke bombs were going off yeah, around that would me, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would, my immediate reaction would be relief. Um, but anyway, once the smoke bombs went off, the Coast Guard and Fire Department uh, were able to sail and pick him up. So he wasn't actually picked up in a helicopter, but it was the helicopter that discovered him. Wow. Well, well, I'm glad we're sa- they're safe, and I'm glad we care about our people, right? Even yeah. if they're not even our people, they're foreigners. Unlike uh, the other guy who it just it seems like there was some miscommunication of information, uh, these foreigners m- might be facing some punishment for their actions because they were swimming in a no swimming area, oh. so they could be they might have to pay a fine. That's right. Okay. So uh. yeah, there's some places where. It's dangerous to swim. Like the currents can take you way far away mm-hmm. or something like that. So, well, we're glad everybody's safe and sound. And we do have some people saying hello to us. Nazir Aziz, hello. And he says, oh, it's raining over there. Hmm. He's enjoying the rain, though. Good to hear. Ivan Dai, happy moon festival to you. And uh, Dablu Anwar, he says, um, he oh, he, he he's writing from Bangladesh. So it's nice to be able to hear from you guys and oh so ivan says my tummy is as round as a moon cake (laughs) (laughs) four holidays in a row can really be a good time for family but also torments for tummies yeah that's it's pretty if you've been eating moon cakes every day that's gonna be a lot on your tummy i haven't had a moon cake yet me neither i'm afraid of them they're so dense they are they are dense so dense full of like (laughs) sugar and what um oil there's been like there's <laughs> been yolk. over the past year there's just Beans. been a campaign against mooncakes but then again they're like 
700 calories per moon cake and i can just i can oh, put them yeah they're, they're so small which is very deceptive on their part oh, they're so good though what's your favorite kind of moon cake i don't really know i just see them i'm like ooh, moon cake i don't <laughs> you know what i like i like the um because they have different outer skins right mm-hmm. i like the one that's brown and baked and oh, not quite yeah, the those white are nice. ones those yeah, are those nice are ones nice. yeah the white ones they tend to have egg yolk in them which is good but the flaky, I'm not a big fan of flaky pastry. I don't know what to tell you. Mm. Those are just really messy and annoying. They yeah. are messy. You know, Starbucks came out with coffee moon cakes. Those are really oh, good. Oh, really? Well, I like coffee. Oh. If you like coffee, it's really good. So they're coffee flavored moon cakes. Yeah, there's coffee. They also do ice side. cream moon cakes now, which oh. that's now my those favorite. Those would be good too. I think yeah. I would like the newer, innovative versions. What about moon cake flavored coffee? How would you feel about that? <laughs> that's nah, that's, that's opening a lot of doors because <laughs> you're just like, how many flavors of moon cake are there yeah, that's a there that's a roll so of dice <laughs> egg yolk moon cake you know you got um you got the salty kind that's and then the sweet kind i once had a mushroom one and i Ooh. wouldn't recommend to a friend to be oh. mushroom coffee or mushroom oh i'm sorry mushroom moon cake getting everything mixed up here. <laughs> yeah that that works mushroom coffee bit. i i don't think i'd be on board for either though so if you've ever had a moon cake and you're watching us tell us what your favorite or what your experience was like or your favorite flavor sabina guo says She's not a fan of sweets, cakes, etc. Mooncakes handmade by her niece, an amateur baker that huh. she had today, made her Mid-Autumn Festival special. I don't know if you can be an amateur baker and, and pull off mooncakes. Oh, Sounds really? like she's a, like a bit a, of a professional. Really? <laughs> not a fan of sweets. Expert. Huh. What kind of mooncakes were they? Like, what kind of, what, what flavor were they, Sabine? I'd like to know. Yeah, I'd like to know, too. That sounds exciting. Nazir said he actually, you know, going back to our story of the foreigner swimming, he said he actually almost drowned when he was in ninth grade mm. and was rescued oh my gosh by swimming pool authorities and never went swimming again my mom oh. also had a same deal she what? she 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 had a fear of immense fear of swimming in water um for the most part I was growing up but at a certain point she learned mm-hmm. and then she just went swimming as an exercise and did so she 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 never drowned though she never know oh, she, she she almost did once but Ooh. after that she was she was fine so I know actually the uh, older generation in Taiwan, um, not many of them are swimmers because, you know, it wasn't that popular back then to learn swimming. But these days, the younger generation, they all have to be able to swim before they can graduate from elementary school. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because it's actually quite dangerous, right? If you don't know how to swim, we live on an island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you should at least know how to swim 50, 50, meter, 50 meters or so. and. <clears throat> It's interesting how other island nations, I feel like, have are known for their swimmers because they are an island, and then Taiwan is kind of the opposite. That's true. <laughs> well, I think partly because um, China and Taiwan have been, you know, uh, very... Like, the, the beach is kind of a place where China could attack, or, mm-hmm. or you know, it's a, kind of a military place, not a place for fun, but mm. it, it's changing now. So, in the past, the beach was seen as, like, a, a dangerous place. So people are getting more into uh, water, water events now, though, like yeah. jet skis and stuff like that. Okay, speaking of the water, I want to show you guys a really beautiful picture, and I'm going to um, put the link in our, uh, you know, I'm going to put the link to show you guys with the link in a minute but look at that picture that is a picture that won um a top award in the european photography 
contest in one of the top European photography contests um, in Paris and is by a Taiwanese photographer, which I'll tell you more about. But basically, um, he had his models dance underwater and they look really beautiful. And if you think about how, um, are we focusing on it yet? Yeah, we're focused. Okay, yeah. now let me come back to okay. the, to the, um, to the story. story. So anyway, um, what do you guys think of that picture? It's beautiful. I mean, it does sound like it does take a long time just for a single picture, but I guess perfection, you have to be very, very precise about it. And that's exactly what it looks like. So he won the gold in the advertising fashion category at the Prix de la Photographie in Paris. Mm -hmm. And his theme is water dance. And um, basically, you know, he it took him like a couple years to get everything to, to be able to... Um, do these pictures so um it's very complicated uh it took he said more than 10 shooting sessions throughout two years wow and they had to be completed on during certain weather sunny weather and he couldn't use flashes so and then the dancers had to hold their breath while dancing after diving into an open air pool and then he had to like shoot from a very small hole in the pool this, with this glass wall. So, I don't know. That's pretty amazing. That sounds really I mean, precise. Like, I don't even know how you even begin to... It's like you th you think of how fast that shutter is going, and yet so much work goes into everything leading up to the actual picture being taken. So, I'm going to drop that, that link for you guys who are watching or who are connecting with us. I mean, there are a couple amazing pictures there. He also has another picture that won an award that also took him a lot. And I didn't know that being a photographer, it took so much time to just get that perfect picture. Mm. But there's a, a picture on He Huan Mountain at 4 a.m. And he shot it during a snowy morning, which also featured the Milky Way. Oh, wow. So, you know, here's another picture there. So you, you can imagine like how long it took for him to have the perfect weather conditions to be able to Looks like a do painting. that mm -hmm. picture. So he's won a lot of awards. Um, this one I think is a little bit easier. Colorful, creative Malaus. So mm. they're di different desserts. So he just taking picture of food is a little bit easier than nature, I think. And yeah, other than definitely. People dancing underwater. But um, anyways, we're really proud of him. He's a Taiwanese photographer who's won a lot of awards. And this is his most recent award. Um, pretty amazing. So... I know actually a photographer who's won a lot of awards and I've started sharing his pictures huh. on our, um, you know, Facebook and he really, he will like, he will take, um, he hosts tours like to different parts of Taiwan yeah, yeah. and for people to take photographs and they'll wait for hours, like for five hours for that perfect, you know, you know, uh, ray of sunlight to come at a perfect time. And, and then he'll That's snap commitment. it. And like what happens, like everyone, like all his students are snapping away for like hours and he'll wait for that one moment. He'll take one picture and it'll be perfect. Wow. <laughs> I think it's it's interesting. I think there's kind of a different technique in taking pictures between older and younger generations in that 
um the mm. difference between using a digital camera where you can take as many shots as you want and you can see exactly what they look like right away versus mm -hmm. having a film camera where you don't see what the shot looks like and you only have a certain number of shots maybe like 24 that can make it onto that reel of film and yeah. then the whole process of developing the film is That's crazy true. and you also have to de develop it correctly right Oh yeah. yeah, I yeah. I used to develop my own film oh, and wow. really yeah, wow. there is at least one time where I spent like a very long time shooting the whole role and then it takes like an hour with different chemicals developing the film and I must have mixed up the wrong chemical or done oh. it for like a little too long and I just had like a blank roll of film. Oh no, that was super disappointing. Did you have your own dark room? Uh, no, it was at my university. Oh, gotcha. I wish. My mom, when she was growing up, though, their house had its own dark room. Wow. Wow. So you it was just a little closet, but it was That's cool. how you got inspired? Uh, yeah. Actually, the camera that I use is the camera that my mom used when she was in college. Oh, so wow. Cool. Mm -hmm. But it still works really well. It's great. So. Back then, the stuff they made is just, it's made, it's built to last. Mm -hmm. And I had those things, I think uh, my grandma still has a refrigerator that she... I was like, how old is the refrigerator? And my dad's like, I think it's older than you are. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some people like uh, saying a few things about uh, Nazir says he won first prize in an annual essay writing. Okay, from Radio France International. Good for you. Mm -hmm. And also Photography Festival. When was that? That was just recently. He won a few days ago. And what else? Anyways, um, I'm excited. I think these photos, you know, of Taiwan, they're just breathtaking. It also helps Taiwan's very photogenic, too. Isn't it? Like, look at this photo that I just put on our website. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Emma, yeah. take a look. That's from Taitong, oh is it? Yeah, it's from Hualien. So oh, Hualien. So, the golden uh, daylilies. Oh, but I was just in Hualien, but really? I didn't get to see something like so that. So, he, like, waited all day until they had that, you know, ray, special ray of light. That's down from you know above. There's it looks like it's from heaven, right? There's something. Like... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. There's something similar that people look forward to in New York. I think it's called like Manhattan Henge. Oh where yeah, yeah. The sun oh, lines yeah. up perfectly with the New York City grid, and it there's can... a Jiayi Henge. Did you know that? I, I had it in, in Taipei too, right? Yeah. I, I did. Oh, Kaohsiung. Oh, Kaohsiung. There's a few in Taiwan yeah. actually. Every every day, like the sun line. Oh, like one year a day, one day a year, the um. The sun just lines perfectly up with a street, right? And mm -hmm. it's like it's different days on different mm -hmm. years, but lots of people go flock to it. I remember the one in Jai, a lot of people. Like there was not a picture of that henge without, without people, people in, in there. It. Yeah. <laughs> so it takes a lot of patience, right, to be a photographer, but it's a beautiful art. Okay, so Taiwan has some new rules to help prevent pet smuggling. Tell us more about this, Yeah, Emma. so if you remember uh, earlier, there was an unfortunate incident where there is over 150 cats smuggled into Taiwan. And these were known for, I guess, being sort of like pedigree or like hybrid uh, cats that people really wanted and mm. are very expensive. But because the government in Taiwan was worried about these cats bringing diseases into Taiwan and affecting other animals that live here, uh, they unfortunately had to put all of these cats down, which mm. obviously oh. upset a lot of people because uh, um, even though that this was a crime for them to be smuggled in, it obviously wasn't the cat's fault for any of that. So um, after that incident, Tsai Ing-wen, uh, who also has her own cats, she meant, she talked about how uh, Taiwan is going to try to find a better system um, to prevent 
smuggling like this from happening so that um, innocent cats or other animals don't have to pay the price for people not following the rules. So they've already begun their work on that. Um, basically, pet shop owners will be required to um, enter information about transactions into an online portal, um, talking about where their pets, the animals, where their origins are from, mm. and it can be checked by authorities a lot more easily this way. Mm. And they also need to update uh, the buyer's information and just so that it's more clear where are these cats going, where do they come from, and everybody is just on the same page about this. Now, it this uh, online portal is still being developed, um, but it should be operational by early next year. And also in order to, besides using this system, the government also wants to discourage animal smuggling by increasing the fine penalties if, um, if you're caught trading without a permit mm. or not just not following the proper protocol. But I'm glad that they're cracking down on it. I mean, yeah, because yeah, like what uh, animal diseases are really really serious problems and i think what was it the foot and mouth disease was something that taiwan spent like four or five years eradicating without uh, vaccine right i think they had to kill two million pigs or something Something like that they had to cull a lot yeah, of them once it got into taiwan and you know they're afraid that the cats might have rabies because they came from china i mean but they were so cute and people were really upset about that because they were like kittens right mm -hmm. like it, the most adorable breeds too right yeah. so but I'm glad they're starting to figure out how to deal with this pet smuggling. Um, pets are becoming more and more popular in Taiwan, you know. So are yeah. you guys thinking of getting a pet? Uh, I think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about getting? Um, I would love to get a dog. I already Aww. have a dog, actually, but he's home in New York. Um, but then I I think about it's it's a lot of work to take care of a dog and... Uh, I still need to learn how to take care of myself. <laughs> now, what, kind of, what kind of dog do you have back home? A uh, Maltese. Oh, oh those are yeah, cute. He's very adorable. Cute. My brother had a Maltese. It lived really? to like 17, 18 years. Oh, wow. I am so happy to hear that. A really yeah. smart dog. They're really smart. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're just so pretty. They're adorable. <laughs> with the, yeah, yeah. yeah, Bruno is only nine years old, so I'm very happy to hear oh. that your, dog oh, lived, your brother's dog lived for such Bruno. a long time. <laughs> yeah. There's... um. He was a big-headed Maltese, and he, he had all these little quirks about him. But he uh, it was just one of those things he's t perfectly content to watch TV with you. Oh, Aww. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is so My sweet. dog's favorite activity is listening to my dad play guitar. Oh, is that right? Aww. Does he howl along? Uh, no, thank God. Just it sounds <laughs> terrible when he does that. Dog just sits there and just watches the, do watches That's the guitar? That's like the time when he is most at peace. Like, if you ring a doorbell or there's any other strange noise, we like get all crazy but like the guitar he's very chill that's are, nice are mm -hmm. dogs like curious like when it like i have a cat and whenever there's something new in the home like a, i'll come home i bought some clothes he would like look at all my new clothes and like crawl all over them or if there's a new person in he would just like watch that person and he would yeah yeah <laughs> i mean actually like are dogs like that it's a very strange feeling when i've gone somewhere else where there's been a dog and i've been petting that dog or just around another animal when i come home my dog like has this look in his eyes of betrayal, betrayal. and really like, sniffing my hand like oh, very gingerly really? and like uh oh, and very, funny. He's just trying to figure out what happened oh wow <laughs> yeah but normally he's he's super happy to i see thought we you. were best friends Emma. <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> the tail stops wagging immediately what have you done <laughs>
Dogs usually, I think when they're faced with something new, they decide within a few minutes whether they're afraid of it or whether they love it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that's my experience with dogs at least. Like um, water fountains, water bowls, they need like a few minutes. Usually they love it. Anything to do with food, dogs will typically love regardless. Yeah, my dog, he eats pretty much everything except like most children vegetables he doesn't really like eating vegetables for some reason um not that dogs really tend to eat vegetables but i remember i used to be annoyed about that when i was a kid and would like drop some of my vegetables he would never pick it up for me we're in this together bruno so do you still keep in touch with your dog all the way here yeah um something that's kind of interesting is when i try facetiming with my family he doesn't react to like my image but Mm. if he hears my voice on the radio it just like comes through very clearly (laughs) it sounds like i'm there he gets excited sometimes he'll run to my room which is kind of sad but cute yeah oh he must miss you Mm -hmm. okay so nazir actually is asking if we have pandas here we do Right? Well, yeah, we're there at the Taipei Zoo. Ooh, we There's have four now. Four of them, yeah, Mama, yeah. Mom and dad and two, two, two girls. Two girl pandas. Yeah, yeah, sisters. So, yes, and pet dogs and cats are becoming so popular here in Taiwan. They're a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's what we have for you today on Here in Taiwan. Thank you for tuning in. For Here in Taiwan, I'm Natalie So. I'm Emma Banat. And I'm Leslie Liu. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.
and welcome to Just the Classics. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me, and let's just jump right into it. So it used to be that when I hosted the show, the premise was I would share with you music that I listened to while growing up in Taiwan, and that's what the classics are to me. But looking back on my hosting catalog, I see that I've actually been going over with you some contemporary artists. And you know what? I don't know if it's just the season for it, but um, more news and more awards and new albums are coming out all the time. So I think it's a great opportunity for me to share with you some of the newer artists arising in Taiwan. This week, I'm going to be introducing to you a singer named Julia Wu. Now, Julia Wu is relatively new to the music scene in Taiwan, but she's been making a big, big splash. Uh, she's only 26 years old. She's from Australia, but in Taiwan, she's known as now the queen of R&B music, and you're going to learn why. I'm not going to tell you why, but you're just going to hear her music, and you're going to be like, yeah, this girl's got a very distinct sound. The song you just heard uh, at the beginning of the show is called Bo Jie in Chinese, and that means dial-up. And that's from Julia's second studio album called 1994. And she was, her inspiration for that album was uh, 90s music, more specifically New Jack Swing. And that song actually talked about a lot of things and a lot of technology, popular things from the 90s, like, you know, dial-up modems and the movie Titanic and uh, drinking Pepsi and stuff like that. And the reason why that album is called 1994 is because Julia was born in 1994 and um julia's just got a lot of great music and she just recently came out with her fourth studio album at the end of august called 2622 now we're not going to dive right into 2622 just yet because she's got a lot of other great music that i want to i want to share with you before we move on so this next song i'm going to play is actually my absolute favorite song from julia it's called i need you now and Julia made this song after going through a really tough breakup, and I related to it a lot. So have a listen, and let me know if you've ever felt the same thing. Here you go. I need you now. I can sing no more. Don't even know what to do no more. And I think you should know This ain't about me and you no more and everything we said fell apart Was it a dream I should have woken up? This paradise we saw we were in Left me stranded here at night I need you now Can't get my hands straight, baby, tell me how I need you now It isn't hard, but we can't work it Doubted us before Is this a pause I should have known Lost in blurry eyes I tried And 
And there you have it, Julia Wu's I Need You Now. What did you think of that song? I certainly have felt the way she was singing about before. Anyway, that song was part of Julia's first studio album titled 128AM. And you might be wondering, why is her studio album called, her first studio album called 128AM? The story goes like this. Julia, when she finished this first studio album, she just looked up at the clock, and when they wrapped everything, she was just like, it's 1.28 in the morning. So let's just call this album 1.28 a.m. And there you have it. It's nothing too special, nothing too meaningful. It was just, well, maybe it is meaningful. Who knows? But the name of this album came because... That's the time she finished her album at. All right, so so far I've played songs for you from Julia's first and second studio album. We're going to work our way up to the fourth studio album, which is her latest album. But let's move on to her third album really quickly, and this one's titled 5 A.M. Now, looking at her catalog right here, I realize that I don't know what 5 A.M. stands for. I don't think it's the time she finished her recording this album because that would be a little too precise anyway this album also has some great songs um for the interest of time i'm only going to share with you one of them and this one is called one in seven billion now do you know what that means here's a few hints this song is a love song and it also derives from a particular demographic about the entire world you know which one i'm talking about I'm talking about the world population. Now, the world population in 2019 was 7.674 billion, and 5AM came out in 2019. So she took exactly the population of that time, looked at her boyfriend and said, hey, you know what, you are one in seven billion. This is a very upbeat and actually laid back song at the same time. Don't know what I'm talking about or not sure what I'm talking about? Well, have a listen and you'll know. 我的手不出来 
And there you have it, Julia Wu's One in Seven Billion. Now, I don't know about you, but while this song was playing in the recording studio just now, I was definitely bobbing my head along. And um, it's just such a great song and such a great sentiment. And I think it really balances out the other song I just played, which was a breakup song. And now I'm going to play you a love song just to balance things out. Um, let's see. We got a little bit more time left, so I'm going to play you another song called The Things, Things, Things. And this one is going to show off Julia's kind of, uh, her diversity, because this song is more of a traditional hip-hop song with some reggae elements in it. I'm going to go right into it, and then we're going to go into her new album, 2622. So let's go to this next song, which is called Things, Things, Things. Let me show you. 
And that was Julia Wu's Things, Things, Things. And that one was also getting me moving in my chair. Anyway, let's move on to 2622. And I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to share the two songs I wanted to uh, for this show. But I'm going to try. So 2622 is Julia's fourth studio album released on August 27th, 2021, which is less than a month ago. Now, there's always a story, well... There's usually a story behind Julia's album titles, and this one is, uh, well, she explained it to me this way. She said, Leslie, what happens if you add 128 and 5 o'clock a.m. and 1994 together? The answer is 2,622. 500 is 5 a.m. in military time. Uh, I'm going to play you, oh, I liked a lot of songs on this album. I'm going to play you Don't Know How to Write Anymore, and... The way this song uh, I interpreted is um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the entertainment industry kind of uh, went into a halt and Julia was on a bit of a hiatus. And it's been so long since she had to write any mu- new music that when she came back after COVID-19, she was just like, I kind of forgot how to write music and not just music, but like she's like, I kind of forgot to write in general. Anyway, have a listen to this song. It's called Don't Know How to Write Anymore. And um, this is from her new album, 2622. And if there's time, I'm going to try and put in another song. I'm sorry I went over time. Julia has a lot of great music. I highly encourage you to go on YouTube and check her out uh, for yourself because I've only scratched the surface here today. I've tried to find the best and my favorite so it's a little subjective it's a little subjective um my favorite julia Wu songs to share with you here you go last one don't know how to write no more i 
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.